0: Welcome to The 408. This is Season 5, Episode 3. And right here with me in the studios of Room 408 are the uh, amazing Sita Galan and Andy Valencia. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you, everyone.
0: (laughs) Now, you you guys have been a cast of The 408 for the past couple of months, right? Can you talk a little bit about what your experience has been being part of the, the 408 team now?
2: Um, I'm a production manager but I've done uh, the producer's job too for one episode so I'm kind of like working with everyone so it's really like we just share jobs and stuff and it's really cool it's really fun it's it's stressful but the final project project is is really good looking Yeah.
1: yeah it's definitely something that I know that on my own I wouldn't have done and I really like that. I really like my team. I really like the people that I'm doing it with and like Sierra said, she's part of my team. Um, we just share jobs. And so I think it's really fun to see all the three main jobs being done. Yeah, being done.
0: Huh. Okay. And, and you're both seniors. And you are very close to graduation. What, what, what is that like? You know, like I feel like when we are in ninth grade or maybe even 10th grade, we look at this world of seniors and we think that it's so, so far away, right? And that it's never going to come.
2: What,
0: what, what do you think about that?
2: It's really scary. Like at the beginning of the year, I, I was aware that we were going to graduate, but it took me a couple months to actually have that like in my mind for real because now I look at it and I'm like, oh, there's like six months left. Like, that's not even real. Like two months ago, it felt like it was years away. Like, that's so weird to think about.
0: This episode, right, season uh, five, episode three, we as a a group decided that we were going to focus on immigration. Um, why do you think that the that the teams in this second group um, um, cho- chose this topic?
1: It's something that is so close to our school. Like I think it's a vital part of our school. To like, I think me as an immigrant, I think I didn't think that there was so many of us in this school, but there is. So I think that that's something that we can. A lot of us can relate to like if it's not the students it's maybe their parents or someone close and I also think that it's about of, because of the country because of the dream act getting cancelled and all these things that had have been going on with immigrants I think it's a really important thing to discuss among uh, amongst us
0: right and I think it's also important to be aware of the weight that other people carry uh, on their shoulders as they walk down these halls you know because it's very easy for us to look at teenagers and and to put you in that box of like oh you know there's like grouchy kids who like <laughs> think they know it all and it's very easy to ignore all of the challenges that these human beings are carrying on their back I feel like the stories we're gonna hear are interesting because they're varied. You know, they're not they're not about the same thing. Uh, one of the stories is a story that you guys produced, right? So we'll be we'll be listening to that. Um, can you tell me a little bit about about your story? What what are we gonna hear when we hear this story?
1: Uh, actually, I don't know because I haven't heard
2: the podcast. We haven't. This is our first time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you haven't
0: heard yeah. the. narrated
2: the... She mm-hmm. was interviewed, but we haven't heard the final product. Oh, yet. you
0: you haven't. Irene never never no. shared <laughs> it with
2: you. <laughs> so we'll see what Irene. Fun
0: to make it work. <laughs> Interesting. Well, Irene, you know Irene. I think is one of the one of my strongest creative directors. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like she has taken control of the software on her computer, and she's like ran with it. And I and and I'm I'm really excited. Uh, for you now to hear this story <laughs> and for you to give me what your thoughts are after we hear it. Mm-hmm. And then the second story is uh, is an interview that they did with Melendez, Ooh. right and his experience uh, as, as as somebody who migrated into this country as well. so we'll we'll listen to that as well and we'll have a short conversation about that. and uh, yeah, so let's let's get started yeah.
3: My name is Sira and I'm the production manager, but I'll be today's narrator. Living here in the US, if we were to see an 8-year-old working at a restaurant, everyone would make a huge deal about it, because here, a kid's only responsibility is to go to school. In other countries, however, education and mental health are not priorities, and a child's job might be to provide their household economically. This keeps children from focusing on their own growth and prevents them from exploring the world, who they are, and what they like. This story is about Andy Valencia, a Mexican-born Japanese mixed person who immigrated to the United States at 15 years old. Hello,
1: my name is Andy Valencia. I'm at the other end. Hi. I was born in Mexico, in Tijuana, TJ, to be exact. But my mother is from South Mexico, in Oaxaca, and my father, it was he was born. There too, but my father was from Japanese descent. She
3: grew up with different families, as her parents were unable to take proper care of her. She was mostly alone and had to take care of herself. As a child living in Mexico, she was in great economic disadvantage, even more so because she had to provide for her sick father, which led her to start working at a very young age.
1: My work really sucked, it was really bad, it was a lot of stress because we were like the only restaurant in like this part of like the center of Oaxaca so there was always a lot of people coming and it was it was just a lot of stress I'm not doctor but I think I developed my social anxiety at this work because it was just a bunch of people and I had to take orders, cook, take money and just do a bunch of stuff at the same time and then I, I would just like get so overwhelmed it was it was the worst at, at a certain time there was always like uh, a person that will come help us and when she came she will take my spot and I will take a break I would be just like so overwhelmed like so tired but I would just be telling myself just wait just wait just wait just wait like she's gonna be here she's gonna take this and I remember that every time, as soon as I saw her, I would just like throw the knife, which not secure, but just like throw anything that I was doing and just like, she knew. Like she was really nice. She just took my place as soon as she arrived. So when she did, I just like throw anything that I had or just stop doing whatever I was doing. And I will go to a table that we had in the back, I will go down the table and I will cry for whatever time I had. I got scared of people and scared of crowds because of that.
3: Aside from work, she also had to juggle her education. The opportunities she was given at school weren't the best ones, and the environment affected her personal life as she was mistreated in school.
1: School was normal at the beginning, but then I guess I don't even know how um it won't, well at the beginning everyone was friendly, everyone was nice and whatever, but then when they realized that I was poor then everyone like just started treating me differently and that's when the bullying began because apparently you're not allowed to be poor in a rich school so that was fun um I have never been the type of person to back off I have always had an actual um an actual strong personality I got into a lot of fights and the school didn't really do a lot because like they were like they're kids solving their kids stuff right School was supposed to be her safe
3: space, but the bullying made school become another nightmare, just like working at the restaurant and her abusive life at home. At 14, her mother moved to the United States, leaving her to live with her older brother. Her brother was an abusive person who used physical violence against her. She also received the news that her father passed away. After her mother found out about the abuse, the man she was dating offered to take her with them to the United States. She wasn't really into the idea of moving into a country with a different culture and language. As soon as she got to the country, she had to start working again. But her parents soon learned that it is not okay for a developing child to have the same responsibilities as a fully grown, capable adult.
1: I didn't want to come here. I thought it sucked. I have never liked English for some reason. Like, I just thought that it was like, Okay, so this is something that I I was I used to say when I was a child. And I was like, "Why do I have to learn English? I'm gonna live in Mexico my whole life." So I never put any like effort into learning English or anything like that because I actually thought that I was gonna be living in Mexico my whole life. Like <laughs> <Psych>. you thought. <laughs> As a
3: non-English speaking introvert, being surrounded by so many new people was intimidating and sometimes, it was
1: confusing. She is really nice. I remember the first time she ever called me Chicken Nugget and I was really confused about it. Because I was like, wait, is (laughs) a… yeah, I was like yeah i just came to this country knowing barely something of english and then you have this lady that is listen chicken nugget (laughs) just like wait what does that mean so yeah i remember that's that's really nice though i didn't take it as something bad (laughs) so yeah shout out to miss wilton she is really nice
3: even though she had decided not to interact with other students in her time here, the theater program in Lhasa opened many ways for Andy. As she got casted in the 2017 Fall Play, she began to open up to the other actors that surrounded her. It helped that the other students didn't give up on her and kept on trying to befriend her.
1: I was just like the same as in acting class. I was just like alone in a corner while everyone was like making friends with each other. But they were so nice and they never gave up on trying to be my friends. They were always like, "Hey, how are you? Hello." And then with time, I got to trust them more and more and then by by like by like after a month of that, I was just like really comfortable with them and we were all just like a tiny happy family. And that's why I I cried so much when orlando finished because i just i i was like my family is leaving it was i i don't know it was just a great experience that definitely helped me because after orlando i was more open to everyone i feel like
3: As Andy spent more time in Lhasa, she became a more outgoing person. She got involved in school activities and made new friends who treated her the way she deserved to be treated. Living in Los Angeles after everything that has happened in her life was a refreshing experience. As hard as it was at the beginning, she has found out what she wants to do with her future. She has real friends, a nice environment, and a city that provides her with opportunities of all kinds.
1: Uh, If I had never come here, I would literally i never known about theater. I would never wanted to be part of like, right now I want to like go to college and study musical theater, but I would have never done that if I hadn't come here, like to Lhasa specifically. So I did rediscover that I really like acting and that I really like to be in front of an audience and all of that.
3: Right now, Andy's a senior who will be graduating in a few months. However, her parents have advised her to go back to Mexico for college because of her legal status.
1: To be perfectly honest, I still don't want to leave, but I do feel like this is like the smartest thing I could I could do for my future in order to like keep seeing my friends. It's it's definitely gonna be a change, like a big change again, but I'm going to take with me all that I have learned here. I don't think I'm going to go and I'm going to be awkward and isolating myself. I think I'm, I'm actually going to be able to make friends, maybe. Hopefully.
3: And this says it will be hard to change all of her life, her environment, her education, her friends. Knowing what the future has in store for us is nearly impossible. Knowing what awaits for you after graduation as someone who wants to be in a country that doesn't want them back, is even more difficult. With our fingers crossed, we hope that Andy's path leads her to a happy life and maybe she'll find her way back to the place where she found her passion. I'm
1: gonna miss everyone, I'm gonna miss Lassa, I'm gonna miss the school, I'm gonna miss the teachers, I'm I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna miss Sarah, and I'm gonna miss Irene.
3: The one thing we'll know for sure, no matter where Andy is, her friends will miss her too.
0: So what was it like here in your own segment?
1: (laughs) It was weird, because of course I know my own story, but um, I was trying to listen to it as someone who doesn't know the story to see how good it was, right? And it was really weird to listen to it and especially also seeing how Irene edited it and seeing what Zero was saying. <laughs> and well, it was a whole experience, a whole different experience. Although it was my own story, I felt as if I had truly shared it with mm. some other people and they... Help that story become something else than just mine.
0: And it's important for us. I think one of the things that we like that we want to do in the 408 is to tell stories that other people can listen to and connect with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Do You think people are going to be able to connect to to this story?
2: Um, yeah, definitely. There's a lot of people who have immigrated into this country, and I know the struggle of having to leave everything behind and having to create a new life here and I also think that there's a lot of people who will relate to the struggle of having to give everything up that you've become when you came to this country. just to live to where you came from because the country itself doesn't want you to be here because of legal reasons. That's just an issue, a really big one.
0: What was it like to hear your voice?
2: It was bad. <laughs> I don't like my voice. <laughs> I'm going to hate hearing this episode in general. <laughs> I know,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, huh? Like our voice. I don't like to hear my voice either <laughs> on recordings, you know, because we just sound so different, you know. Like yeah. the, the reverberation isn't there, you know. And yeah. but that's how we sound. That's how people hear you know, us. Like, <laughs>
4: I'm
2: so sorry, everyone. I know. And like, <sighs> I'm aware that I have an accent but like I'm just used to it I guess I stopped minding it so I don't hear it I mean I mm-hmm. do but like I don't care about it but when I hear it and I'm recording I'm like oh god yeah. <laughs> like, wow it's really yeah. bad huh? yeah yeah same. how do people understand me <laughs> how are you cast in so many places I don't know. <laughs>
0: So the second story we're going to hear is uh, about our amazing chemistry teacher, Melendez and his experience. Are you guys ready to listen to
2: it? Yay!
5: I'm Mexican, but not Mexican enough. I'm American, but not American enough.
4: We constantly hear stories from our parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles about their immigration journey. They are determined to escape the poverty, the violence or just for better opportunities. They know the journey will be long and rigorous, but still, they hold on to their dreams. They don't set out to steal anyone's job, but rather to create a future for themselves. But what happens when a child who knows nothing more than what their parents tell them takes on that journey of self-discovery?
5: Hi, my name is Juan Melendez. I teach chemistry and physiology at Lhasa. My preferred pronouns are they, um, yet I am okay with he or they. My preferred name is Melendez, not Mr. or Miss. And I've been teaching here, this is my third year.
4: Melendez was not born in the U.S., which made him different from other kids, but he had to quickly discover and adapt to a new environment by going to school and finding his true passion.
5: Um, born in Jalisco, the, and then I was raised there for, five years so when I was five years old I moved to San Diego and there I was for up until I was 18 when I moved to um, college.
4: Despite being so young, Melendez recalls the small happy moments he has from Mexico. They will stay in his heart because that's where his childhood memories began.
5: I remember going up in the ceilings and my mom yelling at me because it was dangerous like with my friends i remember hanging out with my cousins going to school i did pre-k there Mm -hmm. that was fun um and then moving here i remember being on the plane and being excited then once we were up there i was like "Mm, i wanted to get up but not this high because it was scary it was so high and then I fell asleep and I woke up and there was food on my plate or on the table. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And then on our way back or on our way to a new place, I just remember it was a long drive. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing a lot of orange trees, like a lot, a lot, just a lot of trees, a lot, a lot. They were never ending.
4: Being only five, living in Jalisco, some of his siblings had already made the journey along with their father.
5: Six siblings. Mm-hmm. So two of them already weren't like up here because they, they're they male. So they're like, oh, once they turn like 16, 17, they came up here and okay. work, mm-hmm. just like my dad. So my, my dad would like come up here and work and then go down there when like one of her, his kids was being born. Mm-hmm. Um, and come over here, do some work or, you know, like in, in the fields. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would travel back and forth. Um, so it was like, oh, we're all moving to, to the United States. Yeah.
4: Melendez was fortunate enough to obtain citizenship after many years of his father traveling back and forth to work. His sister, however, was undocumented and disabled.
5: My dad was traveling back and forth working, and then when I was, I think like three, that's when he um, applied for a residency for all our family, and then three siblings were still undocumented because they were past twenty-one, yeah. and one sister who was undocumented, and she was um, disabled, and then um, I've just I was a permanent resident up until. I think 2015, Mm -hmm. that's when I got my citizenship. So I applied for my citizenship like in 2014, I did the whole process, it was nerve wracking, but I became a citizen.
4: Many families discover the challenges that face them when it comes to traveling back to their country. Some members of the family can travel while others have no choice but to stay behind.
5: Whenever we would go to Mexico, she had to stay here in the United States. So we would have to find someone who would take good care of her because she is disabled. Um, and then sometimes we would come back and, like, she would tell us stories of, like, mistreatment um, of with who we left her with. Um, but she didn't. We came here in, like, 19... 19- 1997, she didn't go back to Mexico until, like, 10, 10 years after, something like that. So she went 10 years without seeing, like, anyone down there. Yeah. And, like, always knowing, like, at least once a year, mm-hmm. her whole family was going to go to Mexico and she was going to be left alone. So that, I can only imagine the, the emotional toll.
4: At the end of the day, he is glad his family had the opportunity to move into the United States and it helped ease some difficulties.
5: So my dad didn't have to like go travel back and forth. So like I actually grew up with my dad instead of like some of my other siblings grew up like with my dad not being there um, because he was constantly traveling for work. Um, So that was really helpful. And then just like money because there's just so much more opportunities here um, for work and then education.
4: As a first-generation college student, he talks about the obstacles he faced. Because he was the first one in his family to go to college, he had to navigate and learn how to do things by himself.
5: The first one in my family to go to college my sister went to, like, a vocational school after high school, mm-hmm. but I was the first one to, like, go to, like, a college, university kind of thing. Um, so I was just trying to, like, apply, get in, and also get scholarships. Yeah. That way they didn't have to pay for anything, um, and I could be independent. And, um, like, when I actually did get, go in, like, oh, I grew up in, like, a conservative area. Like, and there would be people like, oh, you just got him because you're Mexican. Or, yeah. And I'm like, um, maybe it's because I worked my butt off. Mm-hmm. It, it was all coming from the, the lazy white guys.
4: The one place where Melendez feels safe is in his bedroom because it is where he can be himself and not feel like anyone would judge him. He grew up in a conservative area, so feeling comfortable is important to him.
5: For me, if you were to ask me what my home is, I would say my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. And that changes just wherever I live. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like where my parents live, that's not home. I didn't grow up there. Cause they moved to Texas mm-hmm. to start a business. Where I grew up, that's not home. Cause I never felt safe. I never felt like, I never felt okay. Um, so I feel like the place where I feel the most at ease and most at peace is my bedroom. That's my home.
4: One of the hardest challenges is fitting in. You are aware of your roots, but many times it is covered with American soil.
5: Yeah, um, like, cause as an immigrant, you oftentimes feel Like, you don't belong in one place or another. So, like, I have my roots in Mexico, but I'm not going back. Here, my bedroom is my home. My bedroom is in the United States. But are my roots here? No. So, it's like, you have to navigate the world knowing that, like, you're Mexican, but not Mexican enough. American, but not American enough to, like, pass as, like, white. So, then where do you fit in you have to like create that space for yourself sometimes like if you cannot find it within like other areas in in your community or in society you have to create it for yourself because then you're going to be like just like lost and full of anxiety because it's like i don't belong anywhere but you belong within yourself
4: When a person immigrates to a new country, it's often a long journey of self-discovery. They discover their strengths, but also their weaknesses. They seek opportunities, but they come with disadvantages. A person who immigrates is not any less of a human being. Through Melinda's story, we can understand that he worked just as hard, if not more, to be where he is today and discovered his passion for teaching.
2: powerful yeah it was definitely relatable for people who have experienced that Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, it's so true like uh, something that I felt a lot what Melinda said is that well I'm also half Japanese so that's something that I have been living with my whole life which is I am this but I'm also this and ever since I came here It's like, well, yeah, I know I'm Mexican and I know I'm Japanese too, but I honestly feel safer and more comfortable here. But I know I'm not American. So it's just weird to find that identity. Like it's which one do I think I am or which one do I want to take over? So that's that's really something hard that you have to do for yourself.
0: Right. And that's always a very difficult sort of process to think about, this idea of like, why aren't you an American? You know, like, who's convinced you that you're not? Like, who sets that? What are the parameters for that? Like, that right. you were born here? Like, I wasn't born here, but I've been here longer than I was in El Salvador. Am I still Salvadorian? Like, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know anything about the government. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't live the life there. Am I not an American because somebody's telling me I'm not? That's It's a, it's a very interesting sort of powerful thing that we as immigrants um, have to deal with on a regular yeah. basis.
2: Mm-hmm. I really understand what Melendez's uh, sister went through because I am an immigrant too and I haven't been able to go back to my country for years and I won't be able to go back in a long time probably. And it's really hard to just see all of your friends and family posting pictures together and being like, hey, um, Christmas dinner, you know? And like, all of my friends going to McDonald's together and I'm like, ah, yes, they probably don't remember my name, you know? It's just sad. And like, I found really good friends here. I have my parents here, which is really good because I know some people don't have one of their parents here or something, but it's also really hard because I want to see my grandparents before something happens to them. And I want to see my friends before they forget that they ever went to school with me. So yeah, that's really hard.
0: that's it i think we've uh we've come to the end of another episode uh, of the 408 uh, i want to thank uh, both of you Sita and andy for taking time out of your busy busy lives <laughs> to come and have a conversation with me about this very important topic i hope that it was pleasing it was it was uh, it was fun and spread the word about the episode yeah
2: yeah of course of course we are in it we yeah. have
0: to <laughs> yeah <laughs> I want to thank the people who uh, who were responsible for putting this episode together. Our producers for this show were Andy Valencia, uh, Elizabeth Hernandez. Our production managers were Cira Galan and Graciela Martinez. Our creative directors were Irene Paul and Nelson Mendez. I am your executive producer for The 408. And I also want to thank um, Cira and Andy for being my co-hosts for this episode. Um, please spread the word about the podcast follow us on instagram uh tell your friends tell your uncles tell your grandma to listen to us and uh, stay tuned for the next episode